This is Mike. And this is Drew. Welcome to the Mike and Drew at Mountain View Podcast. It's October 12th, 2022, and we're just wanting to talk about a day in the life of being a minister at a small church. Yeah, because ministry is super weird, and sometimes you do really weird stuff in ministry. Like we, a couple months ago, we found ourselves cleaning windows. (laughs) You remember that? Yes, (laughs) yes, cleaning windows, and you are sometimes... Uh, putting in signs in a cemetery, yep. uh, w- disposing of a dead bird, um, or taking on bigger projects like building a playground yep. with the church, uh, a- or cutting up a tree that's fallen from a storm, or right now we're in the middle of a Christmas program. Yep. Yep. We're, we have kind of started to talk about what a kid's Christmas program is going to be like. I, at first, was skeptical, honestly. Like, I was like, man, why are we doing this? Like... It seems a little weird. I don't know about this. But I, of course, came from a really big church. And so when I think Christmas program, I think like a huge production with like lights and, you know, electric guitars and like, but so it's kind of thinking about how to simplify that and still make it meaningful and biblical. And it's tough. The meaningful part is really what what grinds on me the most for anything we do. I want it to be meaningful. I don't want it. I don't want to do things and this has been since I've been a kid, I don't want to do things just because we do things. I want to do things because it is important, and it's going to mean something next week and a year from now. Yeah. And I grew up in a church that you know ran anywhere from 150 to 200, so not a big church, but bigger than this one, and just big enough that there was uh, talent in the church that could really run these plays and have auditions, and only the best would get in for that church size. Yeah. And it was different, and there was tons of practice. And there was tons of uh, professional expertise behind it. And so I definitely feel, because I've lived that in a small church like that, I come to a small church like this and go, I don't have what it takes (laughs) to do what I experienced as a kid. And that is part of what bothers me when there's this uh, expectation that we're going to put on a Christmas play. I know they'll be okay if it's simple. I don't know if I'm going to be okay if it's (laughs) too simple. Right, because like... I think both of us have this issue that we're like really hard perfectionists. And so we want to do something like really, really well. And it's really tough to see when we put all this work into something and it's like not great. Right. Because uh, it can be distracting when something is put together poorly. Mm -hmm. It can be distracting. And I think you also, in this case, there comes into the conversation communication of expectations. We Mm -hmm. found there's kind of been this almost nonstop loop of we're hearing one side say, hey, this age group of people wants us to do something. So we go talk to that age group of people, and they're saying, no, actually, this other age group of people was the one wanting us to do this. And then we kind of start following the sources and end up going in a circle and say, okay, somewhere, somebody along the line wanted this to happen, and we just have to stop and say, do we go ahead and say no? Or, uh, you know, like Romans 12 would say, uh, do we try, if it is possible, as far as it depends on us, to live at peace with everyone? Mm -hmm. And just say, hey, if a small group wants, it doesn't matter who it is at this point, I don't know if we'll ever fully know. The point is, we say, hey, at the small church, there is a group that would like this to happen. Let's live at peace with that group, and let's do it, and let's try to do it well. Yeah, um, I totally lost my train of thought. I was going to say something. That's okay. 
there's all kinds of trains of thoughts here. When it's a day in the life, there's so many things. That's that's one thing that's difficult sometimes about a Christmas production like this at a church that's running in the, in its 70s is there's so many trains of thought. There's so many things to be done that we're a part of. Right. You know, whether I, I remember what I was going to say. I was uh, talking about the board meeting the other day. We, um, I kind of brought this to the board, and I was like, okay, why are we doing this? I wanted to ask yeah. the question, why? Yeah. And it kind of boiled down to like, this is the way we've always done it, which is not a great answer, but we kind of like dug a little deeper and we started hearing these stories of like, oh yeah, we grew up doing this and that. And I was like, okay, those things are actually meaningful. And it, in the past, I've, I've not been here that long, so I don't know what happened last year, but it's, I think it's fair to say it's kind of deteriorated into something that we never intended it to be. And so being able to kind of like strip away the things that are unnecessary and bring it down to like the core of like, okay, let's do something meaningful and let's, you know, let's tell the Bible story of, of Jesus birth and let's um, make some cool memories for um, the kids involved and the people watching the kids. And and then we'll do a meal afterwards. So, yeah, that helped a lot. You know, there was the, you, you posed that question to the board and, it can always be a little offensive when you ask to a church that is in a groove and say, why are we doing this? At first, I it, was nervous to ask that question. Well, sure, sure. As well, we should be because we're coming in and it all, it can always come across as offensive that, that uh, you doing it is not a good enough reason to do it. Right. Which is fair. I, I think those are always good questions to ask. And I need to be asked those questions uh, for new ideas as well as old ideas, if you will. But what we wanted, what you and I wanted, was to offer an opportunity for everyone to participate in this thing mm-hmm. and to keep it simple enough so that that can happen. If it's too complicated, people get scared off and they don't want to commit to something that is a mess. Mm-hmm. And if you just say, hey, here's the basic plan, we've already got some people raising their hands saying, okay, yeah, I'd, I'd like to help with that. And because the board answered your question of the why, why they like to do it, it gave both of us an opportunity to sit and listen and plug that why into something that will work for who we have today. Yep. And the kids we have right now can get excited because they don't have memories so much. My kids, uh, uh, other families in the church, they're not sitting around going, oh, this is such a special memory to me that I want to reenact. No, there's no memory to reenact. We're doing this from scratch. And so to get these kids to have buy-in, even though as parents and teachers in this church, we need to tell the children what should be done and guide them and coach them, Hmm. we still want to reach into that part of their heart and soul and mind that wants to do something in ministry. So it's genuine. Yeah. They're not up there forced uh, just to perform for the church that just want to see kids up there. Right. They are up there because they genuinely love the birth story of Christ, and they want to tell it in their own creative way. That's And that's the hard part for us. We're kind of in that in-between of trying to uh, make this, like, like you use the word meaningful, a day in the life of a church, of a minister in a small church is we want our ministry to be meaningful. We want what we do in the church to be meaningful, not just getting our job done. We want it to mean something for eternity and to help people Monday through Saturday. Yeah, I mean, you really want the day-to-day to be meaningful, and it's so hard for it to get that way. Like, I looked at my past minister's report for the board meeting, and maybe two two out of the you know 10 things I listed were like, actually, I look back and I was like, yeah, that was really important. And all of them were important at the time, but like a month later, it's like, did I, was that really important that I had to bring that up? Like, and so just finding ways to 
bring meaning into the the silly day-to-day stuff you know like i'm i can't think of anything off the bat right now but i'm sure there's things i do week to week that like aren't necessary and aren't really meaningful but it's just what we've always done so we keep doing it there's and there's some things you keep doing that don't need to be done but i think there's some things that feel meaningless that need to get done for yes, example that's you know huge. sunday morning i'm going to unlock the door i'm going to go flip on the light i'm going to take the uh one by two board and use it to flip on the baptistry light up the stairwell because <laughs> i don't want to go up the stairs and then i'm going to go walk around and i used to i would turn on the computer and log in the password on my way to unlock the front door after i did the side door and just a little routine like that, and then, of course, I'd usually check the building, uh, make sure nothing's been messed with or anything like that. Everything's safe and good to go, and it kind of it's one of those routine things that is important. It might not be meaningful for eternity, but in, the, in a day in the life of a small church minister, um, you find yourself wearing a lot of hats. I hate to use that cliche, but <laughs> because because at this church here, you'd, I think you'd get in trouble for wearing a hat inside. But that's 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 uh, that's why I think it's kind of funny. You know, I think a NASCAR, you know, the different sponsors, you swap the different hats. But as a small church minister, you need to be ready to wear a lot of hats. But another part of this conversation is the boundaries in being a small church minister. At mm-hmm. what point do you say, no, I I am already wanting to do these 12 things I'm already doing well, or at what point do you say, I will take on this 14th and 15th task because I it needs to be done, and I am going to overload somebody else if I don't do it, and it's not an easy uh, cut-and-paste answer. It is situational, and sometimes it requires quite a bit of prayer before I give a response, even within 20 seconds. If I say, hey, let me think about that, and i got to pray hard and fast sometimes to say, I need to prioritize my family, I need to prioritize my relationship with God, and I need to prioritize my health not to be lazy, but to be healthy, like yeah. we talked about in the Quiet Quitting podcast. Yeah. Um, oh, I was just going to mention how, like, Absolutely, we have to be doing all the different things, but we also are blessed with this church family that, for some reason, everyone here wants to step up and help. Yes. Which is so different than any church I've ever been at, and it's so refreshing. I agree. That just, like, just everyone, like, the the person who did VBS this year was not paid. Right. She was just a mom. She wanted to help out, you know, um... What's another example? I don't know. Well, I mean, you you could run down the list of stuff that gets done behind the scenes to uh, the church being cleaned, to yeah. bulletins being put together and folded and stuffed, yep. to um, programs and ideas that are proposed and followed through with, and uh, we get feedback from all kinds of people to the music that gets practiced and yeah. prepared, and the events that are maintained from tradition that are good there's there's certain things you don't want to reinvent the wheel on and if there's good traditions that are working at a church we don't need to reinvent the wheel and how to come up with a creative way for third space fellowship sometimes sometimes we do sometimes a church has a traditional thing like a fall cookout we've got coming up right and we don't have to reinvent the wheel it already works and it's it is meaningful and so you you celebrate that people have already maintained that tradition and they've already make the plan yeah I mean, bonfire and hot dogs, who's not going to want to come to that? Who's not going to want to come to that? 
Um, unless there's a big football game going on, I guess maybe. Yeah, that's fair. Tennessee <laughs> Tennessee football is a big deal around here. I, I think it, it is. I don't know. Is UT <laughs> a big deal? Yeah. So those things, like you say, there 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 are a lot of people here at this church who not only step up to the plate but want to know what else they can do. They're proactive. Yeah, we've got people like, hey, um, you're not asking me to help enough, and it's like, well, yes, we we're do. Try, we're trying to find stuff to do around here. We do get rebukes sometimes because there is the desire. They're saying, "Well, you could have called and asked me to do that," and I, I say, "Yes, I could have," and I'll be honest, I probably should have. Because uh, another thing too, out of uh, Philippians chapter four, verse eight, we read, "Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely." Whatever is admirable, if anything, and here's a key word here, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Yeah. And that is a part, that's the other side of the coin, that on one hand, Romans 12, 17 through 18, we want to try and live peaceably with everyone. On the other side of the coin, Philippians 4, 8, we want to continue to do things with excellence and think about those things that are excellent, not just things that get the job done, not just things that keep everybody happy, but things that are worthy of praise. It's lovely, it's admirable, it's excellent. And sometimes you're going to find that uh, when you're dealing with a smaller church, there's a temptation in in the leadership, and I'm speaking for myself here, sometimes to forsake quality in the sake of just getting things done. And there there's some cautions against that mindset in Scripture, that we still want to do what we do well. Yeah. And I will hear sometimes, I'll hear comments that, well, you know, it's not that big a deal. We don't, you know, don't don't get so worried about this. And and on one hand, there's truth there. We shouldn't worry. There, We shouldn't give in to anxiety about what we do at a small church or any church. But we should have enough care and a healthy type of stress that leads us to uh, that refining moment of doing things well, the practice, the being corrected to become better and producing something that is uh, going to show the world that we think God is worth something in our life. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, something that the the big church as a whole has kind of neglected over the past, I don't know, 50 years, maybe a century, is like good like art that is meaningful and depicts, you know, creation and biblical themes. Um, and that's kind of going on a weird tangent, but, um, that's kind of just kind of how I'm thinking right now. Um, you know, we, we need to, we are created, we have a creator and we are made in his image. And so we need to be, um, creative and express that creativity because we are made in the creator's image. No, and I don't see that as a tangent because it, one of the current uh, members of this church who was ordained and sent out into the mission field uh, over 40 years ago is William and Robin Butler, mm-hmm. and her father, Clyde True, her late father, Clyde True, had served as a minister right here at Mountain View Church of Christ for less than four years, but he left a legacy and an impact, and one of them was that he was artistic and creative. And if you watch his life in the uh, documentary on YouTube, I believe it's called From a Foxhole to a Revival or to a Church Revival, something like that, the story of Clyde True, you're going to see that that was one of the things in a short time he's remembered for, was he got into the decorations and he got into the uh, you know the the plays and skits and things to artistically express the gospel 
in a way that was memorable and meaningful. So no, you're, I would say you're right on track for this topic of a Christmas program and yeah. the different hats we're expected to wear. The problem can be right now, and I'm just going to speak for myself, is the shifting of gears mentally because it is a different mode for me to be playful and creative and fun than it is to make sure that nobody's going to die, nobody's going <laughs> to fall through the cracks. Thinking about logistics thinking, and right, think, where people go. Having and... to bend from the sober and significant moments you experience yeah. as a minister to the playful, fun side and enjoying of life, sometimes that shift can be very difficult. Welcome to youth ministry. Welcome to youth ministry. <laughs> and you've had you've had some experience in youth ministry, and yeah. that's kind of been part of your focus here. So what? how does that feed into to this? Um, yeah, I think being able to almost compartmentalize the different like aspects of my brain um, you know, I was on an internship last year and somehow I got put in charge of making sure all the paperwork for a mission trip was in order. And so, you know, day of, we have, you know, four or five different students who don't have paperwork in yet. And I'm running around to parents and then we get in the car, close the car doors and a, a switch turns and all right, I'm the fun driver of the mm. bus now. And yes, and having to do that on a, on a dime and just being able to switch back and forth between like this relational fun and then like the serious logistics and it's interesting i i enjoy it i enjoy the switch back and forth but it is hard sometimes because you're like in one mode and you have to immediately be like totally different absolutely and we see that in the bible you know you can look at examples of old and new testament alike and see where uh, you know, King David is one who he could obviously get playful and play pranks on people. Undignified. Undignified, that's right. <laughs> Spit coming down the beard, you know, and getting the... But then he, he could also make very, very difficult judgment calls. Yeah. And, and then he could also demonstrate an attitude of repentance. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know, see, you could start picking out these things and you get to the New Testament church and you've got Jesus who's willing to hold kids on his lap mm-hmm. and getting onto his quote-unquote, bodyguard disciples, because they won't let the kids come to him and, and sit on his lap, all the way to telling his disciples, I don't want to be around people right now. I'm, I'm going—I need to go into the—to the, be alone. I need solitude. But the discipline that that takes to, like, say— Good grief. I need some time by myself. Yeah. That's difficult, man. It is hard. It is hard to switch gears. It is hard to switch hats, and it and that hat sometimes— the, the many hats that one wears, we think of that term in, in the way of tasks. Mm-hmm. I think of it in the term of accomplishments. Uh, I'm sorry, sponsorship. Sponsorship, the, the different hats we wear. I think of that term. I know it's been used different ways. I think of it, hey, we wear many hats in the term of like uh, sports sponsorships. And the, the truth of the matter is neither you or I are considered even legally employees of this church. Right, we're we're contracted to it, and I think that's helpful. I think that's honest because we are ministers to God. Mm-hmm. Then we're ministers to our family, mm-hmm. and with our family, our our spouse or spouse and children, we've made an agreement that we're going to be ministers to a local church family. And in that, the hat, one of the key hats we you and I talk quite a bit about that we have to wear, especially as we're young and ambitious and have all these these passions in our hearts is uh, that one of the hats we've got to put on is a hat of uh, health and the hat of rest yep. and the hat of uh, sometimes boundaries and balance. We've got to put those hats on too because people are going to learn more from what we do than what we say. And if they see that we are just completely given into um, work and hyper-task-oriented like, like I know we can be, then 
we start to eclipse a lot of that ministry that we can have in the day-to-day life because we're not being able to talk with people or meet with people because the hat we are wearing might be more task than relationship oriented. Yeah. A mentor of mine once said, um, I'm trying to think of the quote. He said something like, if you are sacrificing your family for your ministry, you're probably not doing either of them well. Very true. Yeah. Very true. And, and I can tell you guys who've been in ministry for decades, and that's one of the number one pieces of advice I consistently get when I ask. I said, do you have two or three pieces of advice for me? And one of them is keep your family your first ministry. Yeah. Put your family first. But of course, put God first. But in putting God first, it looks like putting your family first, like you just said, that you're probably not doing either well, because uh, there is there is a a direction here of a day in the life of a minister at a small church where you have to recharge when you can, and I would even say you've got to make the time. I mean, make it, stake it out, stake out yeah. the time to recharge. I mean, we um, we realized pretty quickly that, like, okay, we need to schedule time. So I think it was last Saturday, maybe two Saturdays ago, that we were like, all right, this is our day off. It's both mine and my wife's jobs lined up that we had a day off. And we're like, we are not doing anything. If someone asked us to do anything, we're not doing it. That's our day off. We are chilling at home. I think we ended up going to the library. It was really nice. Right. And in that day of the life, you are demonstrating as you build relationships with people and you you share that story with people, they're going to see maybe in their own life, there's a place that they, they are not making that time. Mm-hmm. And that alone might be worth... Uh, a restored relationship in the church because another spouse or, or another uh, couple or family found ways to make that time. And that's part of what we have, the uh, you know the biblical precedent that elders are to be examples to the flocks. You mm-hmm. and I as elder types, we've, we have to sometimes go out of our way to make those examples for ourselves. And like you said, doing ministry well, that then in turn becomes doing ministry well because we're actually being true ministers and examples to the flock, not just talking about it. Yeah, just being like good people and like well-rounded people is even um, helpful. Um, I did want to mention, um, I preached this last Sunday. Um, yes. I think it went pretty well. I, I think honestly I it was my best sermon ever. I um, agree. I, I preached, there was about a, a small paragraph that I just said, you know, I need to actively remember to to love my wife well. And I wrote that down because I learned that lesson the week before. We, I mean, we're doing fine. Everything's good. But, you know, there's, there's little things like, oh, you know, you forget the, the quick hug and a kiss when she gets home from work. And that's, that's not a big deal. But you do that five days in a row and it's like, oh, man. Right. You just, and so thinking about that, I was like, man, I need to actively remember to, like, actively love my wife. So just the little lessons you learn throughout the week can be used in a sermon on Sunday. And I had a guy come up, come up to me after and say, man, I'm going to go home and love my wife. Right. And that wasn't the point of your sermon. Not at all. That was the the, the the point of your sermon was sentences. Maybe. Yeah. You, you talked about remembering to remember, but in that moment of honesty and just sharing your life, you touch somebody's heart and that's the point. Yeah. You're reaching them with the good news of Jesus. And in that case, the good news is that he's given us the ability to prioritize our spouse above ourselves. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, we're not spending that freedom to, uh, you know, take care of ourselves better. We're spending that freedom to take care of our spouse better. And 
just be mindful of that. And so you, you shared that it wasn't even your main point, but that's what reached out to somebody. And I keep finding that's the way it is for me. I get, I get more out of my day serving other people in the church if things are good in the home. Yeah. If I'm right with a with my wife and if I'm good with Olivia and the kids and you know we're we are in good relationship then this work honestly in a healthy way I care less about and this is going to sound dangerous all right <laughs> I care less about what I do here during the day and so I do it better mm-hmm. I do it with a better attitude I do it with better quality because I'm not already so overwhelmed that I'm looking for shortcuts Yeah I'm working from a place of being healthy and go, you know what? If Jesus returned today, this this these tasks I have won't matter. So guess what? They don't overwhelm me, so I have more energy and focus to do them well. Right. And then I find that I've done more than I thought I could do because I wasn't living to work. Right. I was living to serve God, and that started with my family. Well, that, that almost became like two subjects of a podcast in one, but they're not because— a day in the life of together. a minister, you know, for as a minister, our personal lives are in a way on display. Yeah. That is a part of what we do. Yeah. So, okay, well, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I don't really have anything to add to that. I think we could do—you mentioned this before—we could do a day in the life every podcast, Yeah. Um, and that would be fun, and maybe that's where this goes, but I, I think here, especially doing the Christmas program stuff, we were— aware that there's a lot of things that lead and associate ministers aren't normally doing in most <laughs> churches. We talk to our peers, they're like, they're always amazed at what we are doing sometimes in a small church. And I'm going, I guess this feels normal to me, but as we sit down and go, uh, if you look at a typical job description for a lead or associate minister, it doesn't really match up with what we're doing, but it doesn't bother us. It just amazes us that we get a lot of unique opportunity and diverse training here, really. So. Yeah. I appreciate it. I like the fact that I come into work every day and it's like something a little different this week. You know? <laughs> it is. We never know. We never know. But we try to, I think, walk the balance here of um, living at peace with everyone here at the church. You know, we don't want to be controlled by them or be pulled 20 directions, but we do try to live at peace. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it means taking on a project that's outside our comfort zone or preference. And when we do that, then we have that other side of the coin that we're going to do it with excellence. Absolutely. And I think that's just us in general. Like, I said before we're we're kind of perfectionists. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I agree. So we got we got to ride that line there. But yep. uh well, uh this has been Mike and Drew. Thank you for listening to the Mike and Drew at Mountain View podcast. Spread the word, uh share the link if there is one and uh, we'll look forward to uh sharing more thoughts down the road. Yeah, we'll see you next week hopefully. <laughs>